picture it's time for your nooner with dooner and the industry and uh we even got one of our guests right here right now it's richie daigle say hi to everybody hi everybody how you doing it's good to be back it's good to be See back you. show the gentleman right here i don't know maybe their computer broke hey there i am guys are, are everything okay back there everything going good Okay, on today's episode, I'm talking to Remco. You know, if you guys saw the Love is Blind, like, reunion last night versus... I mean, at least we're, we're streaming right now, right? <laughs> Love is Blind last night. They couldn't get that off the air. I didn't know how many fans that show had until, like, our own CEO and founder, Craig Fuller, was complaining about it last night. Apparently, him and his, his family sitting there to, uh, to watch. Did, are you a Love is Blind fan? No. Is that a problem? No, it's not. A, I've never yeah. heard of it either. I didn't hear of it until last night when everyone was complaining about it. And yeah, apparently, I'm- like, Netflix tried to do their big live stream and it uh and it exploded i missed the complaints as well but i mean i have kids so i yeah. miss a lot of things yeah i don't catch a lot of that stuff when my <laughs> wife and i used to watch that reality stuff before the kids but you know now it's all mario brothers and switch all right on today's episode i'm talking to rem coda about their ppe and how the protective glove supply chain works cole garrison's here he's going to talk about shipping 30 million dollars worth of uh nitrile gloves and those kind of things across the globe. And also, one thing their claim to flame is in the past nine months, they haven't, these are all disposables. They do like PPE. They haven't put a single one in a landfill. That's so impressive. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. We got you here. You're going to teach us how to throw a knuckleball. You're going to talk about visibility and theft in a down freight market. Traveler's Chris Hayes. He's in the bullpen. He's going to be talking about the biggest issues causing distracted driving in 2023. And then May 16th to 18th is CVS Road Check Week. So we got Reliance Partners here. They'll get us into all that. Plus, we got a controversial video of an 11 year old driving a semi truck. Too young? Lots of questions about that. Yeah, there's a lot of like, <laughs> before I, I give an opinion, I really sort of need to know some particulars. One is like, were there other drivers on the road? That's the main one. Yeah, like, like, what's the context? How did this happen? Was he prepared? Did he have training? Like, like, there's, you know, God and the devil live in the details. Do you have a, like, a, your, your dad or anyone teach you to drive really young? No. No. Proper age. Like, Pro- you know, wow. Six, By the book. Yeah, yeah. It's about time. You're not from the South, are you? I am, well, is Atlanta the South? I guess so, yeah. Maybe too metropolitan for, like, the, the backwards driving. Anyways, we got to tip the band and we'll get into it. Your customers and inv- investors want to know what your company is serious about. No, sorry. Your customers <laughs> and investors want to know that your company is serious about sustainability. Show them the depth of your commitment when you rely on AIT Worldwide Logistics for your freight forwarding needs. From Scope 3 carbon footprint reporting to calculating emissions at the transaction level, partnering with AIT sends a clear message to stakeholders. You mean business when it comes to sustainability. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com. All right, Richie, how about you introduce yourself to everyone out here? Yeah, Richie Daigle, um, Enterprise Account Executive at Tive, former uh, colleague here of Mr. Dooner at Freight Waves, and yeah, former baseball player and lover of freight and data and fun things and movie and music, and uh, I'll stop there. Well, all things I love, man. You know, I love data. I love visibility. And obviously, like the World Baseball Classic, it gave me baseball fever, and it's carried into this season. Like, I'm already a huge Sox fan. But, like, I got MLB TV this year, and I'll tell you, I know it's controversial, that new pitch clock, it's had me watching every game because they're so quick. It's not like a a three-and-a-half-hour commitment. It's two hours. But you used to be a pitcher. What do you think of the clock? So I was a a deliberate pitcher. You know, I took too long. I would have a hard time with this clock. Um, 
I understand it. I get it. I'm happy that more people are watching. I'm happy that more people are engaged. Part of me philosophically wishes that it wasn't necessary and that uh, people could just watch a game. And I think the boredom aspect is healthy, um, but that's more in the philosophical. It's a big discussion. You don't want to have me go all down that well, rabbit hole. <laughs> well, sure. How about this, though? Because uh, you got a baseball in your hand. And unfortunately, it's a Billy Beanball. I don't know why someone gave that to me. Being a Sox fan, I think that they were trying to troll me. <laughs> and I don't know why I still have it here. I should throw that in the Tennessee River. But it's in your hand right now. Can you do us a little bit of favor, though, in the spirit of baseball? Show us how some pitches work. Pitches. All right. So basic four-seam fastball means that you have one, two, three, four seams all pulling the air in the same direction. Yeah. This is straight, and this is fast. Okay. Because you have the seams working with you. Right. So this is what you want to throw when you want high velocity and you want to pinpoint, you know, a location, etc. I threw a two seam. So now I only have one, two seams that are pulling air and there's more deviation. So this might not go as fast, but you're going to get a lot more movement. And now you can start using your thumb like the rudder on a boat. You can offset your thumb and have the pitch come off your index finger. And now that's called a sinker. That ball is going to run. And when it's thrown correctly, go down. Why Why? It's, why a four-seam versus a two-seam? How does a pitcher decide which one to throw? Well, it's all about, you know, think about having a plan, knowing how to implement your plan, and executing. Yeah. That's what I got that from, from Maddox. That was Maddox's pitching philosophy. So having a plan is throw strikes and put yourself in a good position so that probabilities are working in your favor. Knowing how to implement is knowing what situation calls for what pitch. What tool are you using in that moment? Uh, so there may be a moment where you want to throw the ball fast and use velocity to your advantage, and it's okay if it's super straight. And there's other moments where you want to miss barrels. You want the hitter to make contact, but bad contact, and that's good if you're a pitcher. How about a knuckleball? You got one of those in your repertoire? I could never throw one. There's different ways of throwing it. Some guys use their fingernails, and they dig it in with two fingers. There's other people that use all four. Some people use fingernails. Some people use actual knuckles. All different ways of throwing it. You want to kind of have a, a locked out wrist to a certain extent, or it's a it's an art form. But if you can throw it, the ball doesn't rotate, and nobody knows what it's going to do. What about the gyro ball? <laughs> Mythical or or not? I remember when Daisuke Matsuzaka was coming to the Sox in like 2005, 2006. There was all this talk about the gyro ball, the mythical gyro, and I don't think I ever saw him throw a single one. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's a whole thing. I was trying to figure it out, and I was like, Does it It seems like a backup slider. You know, yeah. like, it's just, it's it's rotating, eh, but what is it doing? You know, uh, it acts like it's going to really bite hard, but it, it kind of doesn't. It kind of does. It was, it was an interesting pitch. What's the nastiest pitch you got? I was a sinker guy, so I didn't strike many people out, but I broke a lot of bats, and so... That was a sinker. Sinker and then slider. So I'd have a ball that goes hard this way and hard that way, throwing back and forth. Now, my boys are six and eight, getting into that little league age. If I want them to be pitchers, what, what should they be doing? Throwing strikes. Just throwing strikes? <laughs> <laughs> the best hitters in Major League Baseball get out 70% of the time. All you got to do is just throw the ball over the plate. Walks true. are the thing that kill you as a pitcher. So. All right. Well, what's good at, speaking of at the plate, what's good at the plate at time? Show them off that tracker there. Just people not familiar, what do you guys do? Yeah, so we are a visibility solution that leverages an IoT device, software, and people. Uh, and so we can tell you where your freight is at as well as the conditions your freight is in at any point in time, any mode of transportation, anywhere in the world. So it's all about awareness, knowing not only location, but what temperature is your freight in? Is anyone opening up doors? Has it fallen over and been damaged? Or, and you know, having that insight and awareness in real time. Can I just slap like an, an air tag on the box and be done with it? 
I mean, if you want something inexpensive that may or may not work, you know, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, uh, you're not going to get the conditions and location is going to be hit and miss depending on, on where it's at. Uh, so this is more of a robust version of that where, uh, no matter where you are in the world, you always have that visibility. Well, speaking of visibility, so travelers is on the show today. And last time travelers was on the show, I was talking about cargo theft. And food theft had gone way up. Electronics are like, it's always like food and electronics that are, are number mm -hmm. one and number two. It's food right now. But like, there was an article just last week in Boston. There was a truck full of iPhones driving through Canton, Massachusetts. Someone pulls up behind the truck in rush hour traffic and empties like half the thing and somehow drives off with, with nobody knowing. Is theft way up in a down market? And how important is visibility and tracking in it? I think theft is, and I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, it's tough right now in trucking. And so people are, are being creative and, you know, you can say whatever you want to say, but theft, there are some good metrics that show theft going up. Uh, and then we're seeing more, we're exposing more incidents of that with the light sensor going off in real time. Uh, we had a client call us uh, about a month ago and they said, Hey, our light sensor went off on a, on a shipment. Is this real? And we zoomed in, is your truck supposed to be at this warehouse? No, <laughs> you should do something. They called, they hung up with us, called the cops, recovered their truckload of freight. They were able to stop the, the theft in progress. And that's like three or $400,000 worth of freight on that, on that truck. So that was going to be my question. How yeah. do you, how do you deal with like, say someone steals it? Is that just law enforcement? There's no like tie SWAT team that jumps in. Is there? We have a 24 seven monitoring team. Um, so we can get out in front of some of those things. Uh, we won't, we don't call law enforcement because getting into that on a global scale is a bit tricky, but we do have some partners that can do that. Um, but yeah, we have a monitoring team that can call you and say, Hey, uh, uh light alert went off and, uh, your truck's at this warehouse. It probably shouldn't be. And you should know about it right now. So aside from Tive or because of Tive, what is a good like visibility tech stack right now? What should you be looking at to monitor your freight? What's what are you getting the most value out of? I think like a visibility tech stack is kind of getting back into pitches, yeah. right? It's, it's having an arsenal, having lots of tools at your disposal that you can use for various applications. Um, and now it comes back to the same thing. Have a plan, have a plan about what you want, what are your, what are your needs, know how to implement, know what tools to put in place uh, for each scenario and then be able to execute. Like that's what it comes down to. So um, yeah, I think it's a good exercise for people to make sure that they have the tools that they need for the various situations that they need visibility so that they can increase the overall visibility that they have. Any particular tools you like right now? Well, Tive, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously Tive. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of ways of like visibility and I think visibility is an overused word. I like yeah. using awareness. Like, yeah. are you aware of what's going on right like, now? Like on LinkedIn, visibility gets like dunk for cheap points. People <laughs> always like put visibility up and then just dunk on the shortcomings of visibility. Right, exactly. But I mean, there's, there's check calls. You have asset tracking. You have tracking through ELDs. Um, you have IoT tracking. And so knowing how to leverage all of those it's not so much a favorite. It's just knowing like what's out there at your disposal and then picking the right tools for the right uh, situations. What about tech debt? So Southwest was a big storyline in the beginning. It seems like forever ago. That was like the beginning of the year. It seems so long ago. But <laughs> it happened and travelers got stranded. And one of their big issues was they hadn't updated systems. They always had this plan that was kicked out quarters or years out ahead, even though complaints from their users, their main users, which were pilots. And like those unions were complaining about this. We hear complaints about tech all of the time in supply chain and debt there. What is the issue with not doing something about it? And is now that is a down market the time to do it? 
you should always be com- continuously improving, right? And I think like the most, like the worst or the scariest thing in business is this is the way we've always done it, or this yeah. is what's always worked. Well, I mean, the, the, the dynamics and the environment today is changing faster than it ever has before. Everything is constantly getting more and more crazy. Uh, so you have to be out in front. And if you're not, you're playing catch up and you're being reactive. And if you're waiting too long to be reactive, then all the tension of all of these, you know, old systems builds and that bifurcation event that breaks everything becomes even greater. And you see that with Southwest. So it's like the longer you wait, the more pressure can build up and then those events can be all the more damaging. So you want to, I think, try to, you know, you can't just constantly be like, okay, it's a new week. We need to redo all of our tech stack. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a balance to things, but you have to have some sort of cadence there. Richie, who do you think is going to win? Make your prediction. World Series. Who is it? Who versus who and who wins? Oh, man. I'll give um, you Sox Braves. You want Sox Braves? Boston Braves, Boston Red Sox, the Battle of Boston. I Maybe could see that. This year. I could see that. Good this year. I could oh, yeah. see. I could see Houston going back. I could see I mean, New York's always a contender. As much as you hate that, sure. I think the Padres are uh, putting something together as well, and wow. they're. Uh, I, I, and maybe I'm biased because I played for the Padres, but you know. Okay. Keep an eye on them. Keep Have an eye on the West. Them, like ever since you played for the Padres, so you've just been wrong year after year. It's one of the few things, or you know, several things that I'm wrong about yeah. year after year. <laughs> <laughs> well. Hey, hey, I appreciate you coming on today. Anyone who wants to reach out to you, they want to reach out to Tive, they want to improve their visibility and not experience tech debt, where do I send them to? Yeah, Tive.com. Uh, start there. You know, Please reach out. Happy to have conversations and just listen to what's going on and see what we can do for you. And you can find me on LinkedIn and Richie.Daigle at Tive.com for your email. So, yeah. Hey, Richie, thanks for coming on, teaching us how to pitch both uh, visibility yeah. and uh, and baseballs. Happy to be here. Thanks, Appreciate sir. it, man. Have a safe yep. trip out. See you. All right. Meanwhile, let's take a look at what we got going on here. Got a crowded street, some people sitting on a light on a scooters. What could possibly happen now? Out of nowhere, a bull. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you can't prepare for that. You can't prepare for a bull to come out of nowhere where you're sitting there in traffic. Or maybe you can. Maybe travelers know something about that. I got Chris Hayes, AVP Risk Control at Travelers. Chris, how do you prepare for that? That is, that is a good one. <laughs> I, I have not seen that before, so I, I don't know exactly how to respond to that. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Either. Well, uh, welcome back to the show. You've been on here before, but for those who haven't caught you, what does an AVP risk controller do at a place like Travelers? I mostly go on shows like this. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, what I do is I'm the, uh, I'm the head of our risk control organization for transportation and for workers' compensation. So I consult with customers, I uh, do research, and I mostly work with our staff to make sure they understand why people get hurt, why crashes happen, and hopefully how to reduce that. Well, one of the reasons that crashes happen is any truck driver can tell you, looking down at everyone, they even put police in semi-trucks so they can see people, is distracted driving. There's too many people on cell phones, iPads, even like the center consoles. It drives me, like, I don't understand why audio manufacturers are doing this. Like, we ban cell phone use, then we're just putting giant iPads on the side of the car with no tactical buttons on here. Is distracted driving a major issue right now? And is it getting worse? It seems like it is to me, just anecdotally being on the road. Uh, Yes, it's getting much worse. You know, we've been doing something called the risk index uh, for distracted driving for a number of years now. And and we ask a thousand people, 
tell us about your driving and tell us, you know, the things that you do while you're driving. And there's things we never would have considered the first few years we did it that are just becoming commonplace. The one that always gets us is shopping online while driving is becoming increasingly common. I think last time we did the study, it was 28% of people admitted to shopping while driving. So the, the amount of distractions out there, it definitely is real. Um, it's not just technology, though. It's also people who are, are stressed, people who are tired, substance use, uh, emotional distraction uh, was something we saw. 76% of people in our study said, I have been distracted because I'm emotionally uh, invested in something. And if there was ever a good argument why um, hands-free cell phone use is not a really good idea, uh, that's it. Because if you're wrapped up in that conversation, you will blow past that exit. And and you might miss the brake lights letting up in front of you. Yeah, somebody yell. You know, we're we're out of dish soap. Everything's super dirty. So like your next thought is to go on Amazon. The next thing you know, you know, you're shopping for uh, you're shopping for Dawn on there, and then you crash into a family or something. Is that the main cause? Is it cell phones? Is that is that like uh, the the thing that's getting everybody? You know, it's it's hard to say what the one cause is. Cell phones definitely don't help. Um, the traffic density is getting very high again. There's just a lot of people who are, um, you know, right after the pandemic started, there was a big drop in road density. I'm sure everyone listening to this saw that less people on the road, people felt free to, to drive maybe faster, maybe a little more distracted, maybe not even signals. Um, and it's it's shown in a number of studies that that habit has just continued as the the pandemic has wound down as traffic is out to the, the point where it is now. Wow. Well, other than tech, what is distracting drivers? It's really just those physical factors, those 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 stress factors people are experiencing, those those lingering thoughts to go uh, get a prime deal. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that it's it's not just the phone call, it's it's looking at your phone, you for shopping, taking pictures, taking video, texting, uh, checking email. There's definitely a component of people who used to work at home all the time. Right? A lot of us don't do that anymore. I'm working from home today myself. And you know that idea that I'm not at work, but still I should be able to take that phone call and if my boss calls, even though I'm in the car taking kids someplace, I still have to respond. I mean, that's a real thing as well. And I think that's, in addition to the traffic density, in addition to everything else, that's also increasing the risk out there. What's really amazing about this is it's increasing um, it's increasing our risk on the road as a whole. I've been doing this for about 25 years, uh, 20 years for travelers, uh, and these stats on annual fatalities has gone up so dramatically since the pandemic started. So right now we are estimated uh, by the National Safety Council to hit 46,000 fatalities for 2022, and who knows what this year is going to be like. Well, I- that's that's sort of crazy to hear that the that they're getting worse. I mean, I I get it though. I mean, distracted driving is a big issue, but here's a problem. The distracted drivers probably are not paying attention to us right now. They're too busy reordering things on Amazon. So what can those of us who aren't distracted, who are paying attention or are on the road with these distracted drivers do to protect ourselves? Yeah, it's really a message for a trucking audience because you look at the average person in in a car. Um, I don't think I can call them four-wheelers anymore, but I certainly used to in the earlier stages of my career. You know, they they drive five, six, ten thousand miles a year. That is that is not the same as a commercial truck driver. Right? If you're doing a hundred thousand miles a year, you have a different skill set. You have a different awareness. And I th- 
I think it's imperative that you you think about that and think about the the community you've got on the road. If you've got ten times the amount of experience driving, and and all those miles, and you've seen all those things happening to you, you can you can guess and you can see who's going to be uh, who's distracted and who's weaving around the road, and and think about how am I going to interact around them. Now, as I think about commercial truck drivers, professional drivers, that's really the thing to, to consider is that you know, your experience does matter and your experience can help those people on the road make through their day. Wow. Well, anything else that we should know about distracted driving? It's getting weird out there. You're starting to have like autonomous cars and you got people who are like autonomous because they're looking at their phone and not paying attention. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to be mindful of. There is a lot to be mindful of. And if you you look at the near future, there's a lot of discussion about autonomous vehicles. I've been hearing, I know autonomous vehicles are right around the corner for about 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> I would say like it's the, the cars are not going to drive themselves soon. Uh, cars will help you and trucks will help you. And we're, we're talking all the time about uh, ADAS, uh, automatic systems that will help you drive. But really the most important safety feature in any vehicle is you. It's the driver, you know, and automatic braking, lane departure warnings, uh, fatigue monitoring, everything that's in that vehicle to help you is there to help you, not replace you. So every decision you make on the roadway contributes to that risk on the road. So be careful, be safe for your sake, for your family's sake, for my sake, because I share the roads with you. <laughs> Amen. Hey, a little cowbell for that, Chris. Thank you so much. Go check out travelers.com. Um, when you're not driving, when you are parked, don't go shopping behind the wheel. And maybe we can improve some distracted driving today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. Did you know that AIT, Worldwide Logistics, plans to reach net zero emissions by 2035? That's five years before the date targeted by the Climate Pledge and 15 years in advance of the Paris Agreement's goal. But that's just one part of their overall commitment to corporate social responsibility. Whether it's protecting the planet, nurturing the communities where we live and work, or ensuring high-quality business continuity, AIT is taking action today to deliver a better tomorrow. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com. All right, let's see what's going on elsewhere. Oh, here it is. Tony Hawk's pro bollard right here. More talented than me. You ever been to a half pipe? I almost broke my wrist on one of those things once. If you've never been on a half pipe and you stand up there and you look down, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you go your first time, you're a braver man than me because it looks like you're about to fall off a cliff and you're trying to land on some wheels. But these cones right here, no trouble. No trouble at all, but they're professionals. All right, let's talk to, go to Cole Garson, COO over at Remcoda. Cole, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Where are you, uh, where are you joining us from? Where's, uh, where are you located out of? I'm here in Los Angeles. Uh, our company is spread out, so we are, we're based out of Florida. We have people all over the world. Um, so I hold down the, uh, the West Coast part of the operation. Oh, nice. How is uh, Cali treating you these days? I, I used to live out in Southern California for a little bit myself. You know, we didn't sign up for this weather. I'm not sure you're so aware of what's going on, but it's it's raining basically every week. Um, I don't think I don't think the construction is prepared for it. But we got leaks over here in our apartment, and um, it's it's been a little rough. Oh, 
Uh, I'll tell you that when I first, the first time I ever visited SoCal, I was on an internship with the record label in uh, Marina Del Rey. And I stayed at a Madison Apartments, which is like temporary living they have out in Southern California. And it was about a mile, mile and a half from the office that I was going to. So I didn't bother renting a car. Well, it was during El Nino and it just rained every single, right. they lied to me, Cole. They told me it didn't rain in SoCal and I got soaked every We, we feel like we were, we feel like we were lied to. We, we told our landlord, you know, maybe... Maybe we can get half the rent back. This isn't what we signed up for. So um, we're, we're, we're toughing it out, though. You need that weather discount. Well, you know, you build supply chains that fit like a glove. And I was seeing on your page, you had something really notable on there, too, where you have to deal with so much disposables and PPE. You've taken great efforts to make sure they don't end up in landfills. But before we get to all that, what is Remcoda for those who may not know? Yeah, so Remcoda is a supply chain company. Um, we're a global resource partner of some of the largest companies in the United States and around the world. Uh, we do everything from sourcing product, product design, um, research, import, uh, warehousing here in the United States, and domestic freight. So we're soup to nuts um, all the way from the, you know, the raw material sourcing to end delivery to our local communities. One of your biggest products is uh, nitrile gloves, right? Surgical gloves or food prep gloves. I think you ship, what, $30 million. You're estimating to ship $30 million with those gloves in 2023. That's about 10 million boxes a year. How, do you, how does that kind of supply chain work? What do you have to consider yeah. when, when doing that? So the, the origin of our story, we're a family business. Remcoda actually stands for Remy, who's my older brother and the CEO of our company, Cole, we were speaking to here, oh. and Darren, he's the duh. That's my twin brother um, who runs, who's our chief growth officer and runs our retail division. Our, our father, Mark, he's, you can tell by the name of the business, he's a, he's a true family man, consummate father. Um, he started the business 45 years ago. Uh, he would, probably wouldn't have liked uh, how I just aged him, but uh, it started out as an apparel company. Uh, we owned and operated famous brands and licenses, um, companies like Skechers, BCBG, et cetera. Um, when Remcoda started, when the Suns joined the business, we moved into things we were more interested in. We have a woman's empowerment brand called Ebby. Um, we have a health and wellness business uh, called Blue Zen that's in 10,000 retail doors. Uh, we do things like travel, electronics, um, et cetera. When, um, when the pandemic started, we had all these international relationships. We have lines at factories all across the world. We have a logistics arm, and we transitioned all of our production over to life-saving equipment, uh, otherwise known as PPE, and we targeted the food service sector. Uh, many people might not know this, but the food service sector, it's American businesses, um, generationally owned, often family businesses, billions of dollars, and they service, you know, in an aggressive way, the local communities. They were at the forefront of the PPE movement, um, specifically nitro gloves, nitro and vinyl gloves, disposable gloves. There was a massive global-wide shortage. Um, so they, uh, you know, sought out our help, and we were, for much of the pandemic, the leading importer of disposable gloves. We actually... Uh, we actually imported over a hundred million dollars of disposable gloves um, in the prime of the pandemic. And yes, we are on pace now as the market has normalized to uh, import about $30 million worth of gloves or 10 million boxes this year. Wow, so 2020 must've been absolutely insane for, 
for you guys. How did that impact, though, of like that massive shift for, because I mean, it was clear it was going to happen, the bullwhip in PPE. There was such this big shortage. Everyone right. had to stand up manufacturing. But then there's obviously going to be some point where not no one's going to need this much and there's probably going to be too much of it. How do you, How did you manage that aspect of it? Absolutely. That's a great question. You know, the, this is the, it's the classic um, sort of inventory strategy uh, conversation because yes, you you don't want to get left holding the proverbial bag. And when you, you know, there's a lag time when you, when you switch into a new production, production orders take 75 to 90 days. There's an entire infrastructure that needs to be set up from finance, paying factories up front, um, to logistics, to setting up warehousing. And ultimately, when the market moves, it is not as forgiving. It doesn't give you the 75 or 90 days. So it's very important that you have strong relationships with your customers, a strong trust, because there's, there has to be give on both sides. When the price changes, when the demand softens, softens and you have product you know, en route to the United States, uh, you need to have fores- foresaw this. You need to have customers who are willing to hold on to their orders. And often you do need to work with your customers. We worked with all of our customers. Um, we compromised. We held on to some inventory and we had to liquidate some inventory. Ultimately, we we saw around corners and we're still, you know, we were one of the remaining glove suppliers that stayed strong, stayed healthy throughout the pandemic. We now service most of those customers that we service then. So it, many did fall victim um, to to a changing market, to a rapidly changing market. And it's just very important to not get overexcited, um, to be cerebral in your approach and realize that the market can change on a dime. Um, it, it, you, know, you know, inventory, as our father always says, inventory can be a very scary thing. And, um, you know, you might see in the title down there that I'm the president of uh, Remcota Express. Remcota Express is our reverse logistics company. We actually dedicate those resources to cleaning up in an environmentally friendly manner. Some of those inventory mistakes that we're discussing right now. Speaking of of inventory, we've been talking a lot about how a down market has led to truck theft. And I believe that you guys have a stolen truck story. What happened in in your instance? We've had two stolen trucks, actually. Um, Both, both happened differently. Uh, The first stolen truck, um, was, was someone just trying to make, make some money. Uh, we actually got caught wind that they were selling our product out of a nearby warehouse. Uh, the local authorities are on the case. So hopefully we get a good result there, but we did see our product being advertised. Unfortunately, that product was going towards, uh, the tornado relief in Mississippi. Uh, it was a hundred thousand dollars worth of, um, disaster kits that we were donating to, uh, a customer in Mississippi. Um, so those were stolen. Uh, and, and just recently, actually on Friday, we learned of another truck that was stolen due to double brokering in Los Angeles, which is a widespread issue right now. Uh, you need to be very careful careful as a, as a trading company, especially as a trucking broker, that the carriers you're hiring are the carriers that show up and pick up your goods. Many of the companies that, that are being hired today are farming the work out to carriers who have not been diligenced, who have not provided the COIs, who have not gone through the proper background checks. And, you know, that's why those things are so important, because you ultimately end up working with companies who have ulterior motives. There's a reason why they weren't advertising their real name. There's a reason why they weren't taking the jobs directly. So uh, often when we find out all... I was going to say, yeah. double brokering, huge, huge issue. Was the scam that huge they... Issue. 
did they take the load and just and just take off with it? So they represented themselves as another broker? Because double there's a lot of different types of double broken that goes on, but this one they actually took the load. They just stole it straight out. Yeah. So they yeah, so they took the load. You know, it it they could have multi, they could have many motives. Ultimately, we know they're hiding their name. So that's never a good start. Now, the question is, are they really going to deliver the load? Sure, many do try, but they've, they've, they're hiding their name for a reason. Either their equipment doesn't work, their drivers are not to be trusted, uh, they're not timely. Whatever the reason may be, they're hiding the reviews or the information about themselves, or they don't have the proper insurance, right? So this particular driver actually is because, you know, has untrustworthy uh, carrier has untrustworthy drivers. We believe this driver is again, you know, selling our product. Ugh. So we were not able to, yeah, we were not able to get, get a result on this one. And the local authorities again are, are working through this issue. You got to look out for those Glendale area codes, man. It's just like double broke <laughs> yeah. central. Right. You got to be careful. Right. Well, one interesting thing about your supply chain too, is that because it's disposable, you could do nothing or you could take the responsible move of figuring out what is the reverse logistics of this? What what can I do to make sure all this extra sanitizer or PPE that's in one place comes back to us and is either disposed of properly or is distributed somewhere else? How do you all stay on top of that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that is the mission of Remcoda Express. I mean, we are trying to turn waste into resources, turn waste into energy, and we're trying to work with local communities to make a difference. We do not want the product ending up in a landfill. We, we, we work towards our customers having net zero carbon emissions. We want to have a zero waste footprint. So if you think about it, we, we ultimately have a pyramid um, from most important and most viable option to the bottom, which is uh, bring it to a fuel blender or, or put it in the ground. Uh, the, the number one goal of our company is to donate the, to donate the property. Donate the product. And we that's easier said than done. Some of our big customers like CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, they have decades-long experience with their own charitable partners. But the world's never seen this type of this this type of supply, this level of supply. We turned into a consumption economy overnight during the pandemic, and local food banks and local charities just can't handle the sheer volume of product expiring product, short dated product, product, you know, like masks where becoming less and less prevalent. So we, part of it is our reach. I mean, we find creative ways to find partners and convince partners to take products so that we don't have to turn it into waste. And that involves sometimes incentivizing partners that involves finding charitable partners that you weren't looking for, or you didn't know existed. So we have a whole infrastructure set up to do so. Second is recycle. Um, Sanitizer is a great example of this. I mean, if you remember, it was the first pandemic product. The first yeah. mask was, was sanitizer. It was the, you know, every alcohol distiller turned oh, like, into a sanitizer. I, have, I still think that smells like tequila, you know? You put it and you're like, right, right. it just smells like I was yep. a bar back. That's the famous, just like gloves is the pull test, the famous sanitizer test is the sniff test. And um, yeah, everyone, all the tequila sanitizer arose. So, uh, the EPA uh, put out something that allowed you to essentially put the, uh, to transport sanitizer on a BOL um, as hazmat instead of has waste and find recycling partners. So we have a big infrastructure set up where we essentially turn the sanitizer into fuel additives um, that can be used at gas stations. That's an example of, you know, uh, not 
bringing it to a fuel blender and it ultimately polluting the environment. So we set up first it's donate, second it's recycle, uh, third, third liquidate sell if we can. Um, and then ultimately, you know, if all three fail, which we haven't had that experience yet, then we're looking at the most effective and least detrimental, uh, you know, waste solutions. You bring up a great point here. So like when there was this Turkish earthquake, I remember someone was putting together donations. They were going to do a fly lift for donations. And all these people reached out to me and they're like, don't promote that. And I said, why? And they said, because there's so much donation litter that's going on. I think a lot of yeah. people like they don't know where the money's going, so they don't want to donate that. So they'll send like blankets, coats, which sounds great. But apparently there's just way too much of that. Like everybody's doing that. So it just becomes junk and it actually becomes a logistical nightmare for the people trying to distribute this stuff. Yeah. Well, we say this always at Remcoda, Remcoda Express, the iBrands company. Be an expert on what you do. Mm. We, you know, we started as an import company and we decided we don't want to use, you know, an agent overseas and then a freight forwarder and then a customs broker and then a domestic freight broker and then a 3PL and then a domestic freight broker and then a ca- right to make a delivery to the end customer. A, it adds layers of cost, but B, you lose that control and that visibility into what's happening within your supply chain. So you're, you're 100% right. This goes for the Remco to Express uh, vertical. We know where our product is going. We do site visits, and we, we inspect the places that it's going. We're in constant communication. We look at everything from a skeptical lens. And for, so a perfect example would be we, we need to understand that our companies that we're sending product to have the warehouse space. Like you said, many they think it's great to get 10 pallets of gallons, then they don't know where to put them. So we make sure they have the proper amount of space. We make sure they have the financial wherewithal to deal with potentially holding the product, not being able to move it for a long time. We make sure that they, their roads allow these type of trucks to come in. They have the proper dock doors and lift gates. So we're doing a lot of this research up front to make sure, yeah, it doesn't just end up in a landfill, which... A lot of these, a lot of these product does just end up in a landfill. You think you're donating it, uh, but it, that's not actually what ends up being at, you know, ends up happening. So we're, we're taking those extra steps and measures. Well, really cool. Before I let you go, is there any, anything about this space that would, would fascinate people that you haven't mentioned yet that would, that we just wouldn't know and would be shocked by? I, I think it's just the, the sheer volume of it. I mean, everybody knows about the pandemic. Everyone knows how, how in demand a mask was or gloves were. What they don't realize is right now, the new pandemic is the, the reverse logistics and waste management space. I mean, th- this, is where, this is the space where prices are rising through the, the roof and there's limited space and limited supply of recycling facilities. And this is the new sort of uh, yeah, epidemic. And we just need to make sure that it's done responsibly. We we working with Bank of America, working with Wells Fargo, CVS, Walgreens, FEMA, et cetera, the states and municipalities. It's just important uh, for anyone listening. If you have this type of uh, supply, you have this type of inventory that's going bad, that's that's reaching expiration. It, it's very dangerous, and there's a there's actually a large responsibility on your behalf to do this properly. And you should be reaching out to companies like us and, and really do your research. Make sure they're they're doing what they say they're doing. Cole, thank you so much for joining me. Everyone check out Remcoda for your PPE needs or your new pandemic reverse logistics needs. Inventory is uh, awesome. always a problem on the front and the back side uh, because this is supply chain. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate take, it. Take care. 
All right, I want to take a look. <laughs> take a look right here. This is what we like to call over us mastles call getting starrowed. Uh, happens every year. Uh, happens nearly every day, especially around move-in time. Gagne says Celtics in the playoffs, Bees in the playoffs, Red Sox game this afternoon, Marathon Monday, and a truck getting starrowed. The city is truly alive. Amen. Amen. Stay off Starro Drive, people, especially you movers. And ADEP, they're like a demolition company. Fitting that they would, ironic that they would end up under there. All right, it's Robert Cavarro. He's the director of safety at Reliance Partners, and I bet he's never starrowed himself. Have you, Bobby? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. You've never gotten stuck under no. a bridge before? I've gotten stuck in traffic from people who've been stuck under a bridge. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, very, very aware of that, that height issue. What, what were you tuning, by the way? I saw you in the green room when I was talking to my last guest. I saw an axe in your hand, and you were, you were tuning that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, noodling around a bit. Oh, yeah? What have you, you been playing these yeah. days? Uh, you know what? Not not much. Um, I, I just play in my office, and uh, I had an accident, and I almost cut my finger off, oh, wow. so um, it, it's really difficult to, to play much anymore, but um yeah i try to stay in in practice a little bit well i mean good luck uh mending your digit here uh all good luck on that thank you so what we've been talking about i started we've started to promote and talk about this on our last episode is road check is coming up in may from your perspective what do we need to know about this when is it what's happening yeah it's coming may 16th through the 18th and um you know it it's it's like this every year. They advertise it. It's coming up. They tell you exactly what they're going to be checking for. And still we have issues. So, um, you, you know, carriers need to take the uh, proactive approach uh, and uh, warn their drivers, make sure that they know exactly what these officers are looking for in the roadside inspection and uh, be checking that in their pre-trip inspections. Load securement is uh, one of the main two topics that they're looking at, and uh, ABS. So, um, you know, the, the lights on the side of the trailer for the ABS are not there for show. They're there for a reason. So they should make sure that they're, they're working correctly and their load securement devices are uh, not frayed, that are uh, placed in the right places and are uh, where they're supposed to be. CVSA right in the strap work. I love to hear it. Taking something out of my own playbook here. So what, what do you do to you what go. do you do to uh, prepare right now? It's a, it's you know it's a, you got about a month to get ready for this. What should you be thinking about today? Really, there you should be doing training all year long on load securement um, and pre-trip inspections. But really, this is the time that you need to focus on sharing that knowledge with your drivers and making sure that they understand uh, what the rules are and what the uh, officers are going to be looking at. And uh, really just preparing them for uh, the uh, enforcement event that's coming up. Um, they're going to be looking at that kind of stuff, and it shouldn't be a, any surprise to anybody. And Drivers should be aware that it's coming and that they're going to be asked to um, to pull over and, and have their 
their straps evaluated, their load securement devices evaluated, their ABS looked at. So it's no surprise. Carriers should be aware and training all year long, but especially right now. What happens if you're found in violation during this year's road check? Oh, you're, you're certainly going to get a citation. Um, and, and really, any time you get a, a violation, you're, <laughs> it's a, a red flag that you need to do something internally with your organization to either prepare your drivers better, to share the knowledge that you have, to make sure that your maintenance people are double-checking straps, double-checking the um, double-checking the um, the stuff on the truck. So when they do go out, drivers may may not catch something. Your maintenance people are so absolutely. Uh, it's a red flag that you need to do something internally with your organization. Great. So what is my next step after after this episode here? I'm the, I'm the driver. I'm the fleet manager. What do I got to do? I'd hit the I'd hit the um, the Internet. I'd talk to your insurance provider. I'd talk to any safety organization, your state, national safety organization, see what kind of information is out there and um, and training materials. If, if you're a client of Reliance Partners, which um you know, we've got a lot of a lot of them that listen to the show. But if um, you're a client of ours, we've got the resources available that we could provide that to our clients. If you're not a client, um, reach out and let's see what we can do. And uh, if I get some of these citations, or I hit that that bridge on Starro Drive, is is my premium going up? You know, uh, more than likely, what what you're talking about is a transference of risk in yeah. insurance. So, you know, these violations all accumulate. Frequency leads to increased risk, which increase which leads to increased opportunity for accidents and claims. And when you're seeing a trend like that, you're seeing violations come across. You're seeing those sorts of things um, accumulate, that is a red flag to insurers that, man, this this carrier has something going on with it. We're going to insure them, but it's going to cost more. So really what a carrier needs to do is evaluate the violations that they're getting, the accidents that they're having, evaluate those internally and see what you need to do to what you can do to train your drivers to stay out of those situations and uh, not get those violations, do their pre-trips, post-trips, mid-trips, uh, pay attention to the um, the signs on the side of the road. 13.6 or lower, you're going to have issues. Pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Pay it, make, sure, make sure you know those signs and, and you know your routing. And if you're on steroid drive in Boston, don't drive under that bridge if you're in a truck. Jeez, happens way Come too on, often. Come on, man. Hopefully we don't be doing away. that. Hopefully we spread some awareness. Well, everyone, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone go check out Reliance Partners and obviously make sure you're prepared for CVSA Road Check Week, which is the 16th through the 18th. So you've got a little less than a month now. So get those straps in order and get those ABS in order. And while you're doing that, make sure to look all around the truck. Make sure everything's good. Make sure your drivers are safe out there. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for stopping by today.
Thank you. Take care. Take care. All right, here's some of the rest of the noise. Well, this one is causing some controversy. Let's roll this tape. Black millionaires, they said uh, a man is being criticized for teaching his 11-year-old son how to drive his 18-wheeler and letting him drive in between loads. He needs to stay in a child's place, some are saying, while others are applauding the father for teaching him that skill. In fact, here are some comments from the peanut gallery. Josh Eaton says, this kid will have a skill for life, a skill that can be profitable. You know who won't? Many of the people who whine about this on the internet. Donnell Sugg says, the Bible says, teach the child. The father's doing God's work. Mind y'all business. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's in Psalms. Um, blame, the la- blame the label, says Sylvester. And this is true. Sylvester Stallone taught his 12-year-old son how to drive a truck over the course of a trip from Colorado to California back in 1986. So let's not make a big deal out of this one. If Lincoln Hawk can do it, so can your kid. Phil Heath says he's learning a skill on what it appears to be an open road. We are assuming that there's cars coming, which they are not. I will say his skill trumps many within this actual thread. Hope he's staying focused, staying under adult supervision, and of course, safe. You know, I would I would co-sign this. If this is on closed roads, some sort of rural road, there's no other cars that come down this way, which it appears that is what he is actually on. I don't know. Do you have a problem with this? I mean, am I allowed to say that? I don't have a huge problem with this. I just don't. I don't know. I'm going to teach my six year and eight year old how to drive a semi. Come and stop me. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I can see it. I can, I can understand. I can understand. When I was a kid, my dad had me holding on to the wheel. I mean, it wasn't a semi truck. We didn't hit anything. Now, if that was with the other cars, I would agree with some of these more complaints here. Don't put other people in danger. Please do that on the closed road. But other than that, hey, good on you, dad. We need more real dads out there. And that was one of them. All right, talk about kids, man. Talking about kids, bring kids over the road. Let's take a look at some kids over here. Is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? Summer's coming up. Well, a couple of Redditors chimed in. DNS Strucker said, my daughter enjoyed hitting the road with me last summer, but if I were a betting man, I'd say she likes it more when I'm home every night instead of now. So he's kind of saying it's fun, but maybe for uh, limited doses. Kikau says, when I was 10, my dad and uncle bought a trucking company that hauled livestock. I was able to go with them a lot on weekends and during the summer. We hauled pigs and sheep. We could work as a team during the loading and unloading. He died of a heart attack when I was 13. So those years were foundational for me. OOS94 says, that's awesome, dude. Seriously, I spent every single day of my summers out of school in my grandpa's 379 extended hood until I graduated high school. Straight pipes and all. Tunnels were mandatory. Windows down. Jake on. If you get a chance, take them to Iowa 80. I thought that place was the absolute coolest. Talking about the Iowa 80 truck stop. It's routinely voted as one of the top ones in the U.S. It's a sight to behold. Muted Shelter says, my kid's done with school in May. Then he will spend the summer out with me. It's the best time of the year. And Bob's in idiot says, uh, unfortunately, steel mills don't let you bring kids. Some don't even let you bring a dog. So my kids and I are S-O-L. Bob, maybe you're not the idiot. Maybe the steel mills are. No, those are probably dangerous. Those are probably dangerous. We've been talking about double brokers, right? Here's a little double broker math for you. Remco had just sort of laid out the issue. They got a truck stolen from one of these guys. Hold on. Let me take a sip of water before I cough. Ah, Delicious. Dale Prax writes, today's double broker math lesson. In Signal Hill, California, the population is 11,563 people. According to the FMC, 12, the FMCSA 1233 active motor carrier companies have a principal place of business registered in Signal Hill. So that means that one in nine men, women, and children in Signal Hill own a trucking company. That is amazing to me. It's just one 2,000-square-foot building in Signal Hill, and there are 778 active motor carriers. This is a math lesson for another day. 
Oh, and one more thing. 398 of the companies in Signal Hill share the same phone number and the same email address. The email address these companies have on file with the FMCSA is amusing. Wait for it. <laughs> WFTFMCSA at AOL.com. The disrespect. Indeed, what DFFMCSA can you pull a spreadsheet? Not a lot of protection out there, right? Not a lot of protection out there, guys. This double brokering issue. I wish there was something better to tell you about it other than keep your head on a swivel. Now, a lot of you out there thinking, how do I become a super trucker? How do I become like Justin Martin? Well, the trucking community has weighed in. Nadia Seven says, take your 30 at the fuel island and don't buy any fuel. Rails and Trucks says, only wear flip-flops, especially if you run flatbed. RuneScape420 homie said, pee bottles belong in two places, your cup holder or the parking lot ground. Roger Takuf Bufa says, fingerless gloves and a cowboy hat and a 62-mile-per-hour governed company truck. Give me the dopamine. He says, tell nonsensical stories and brag about your driving experience. Bonus points if you can disqualify other truckers from being real truckers. You know you ain't a super trucker if you're not gatekeeping everyone else out, are they, out there, are you? Uh, Islet, tell other drivers you've driven more miles in reverse than they have forward. Grubalicious, go about 30 miles per hour through the truck stop and shipper parking lots. You got to flex, flex that pedal. And Fossil says, tell everybody you make about $200,000 a year as an owner-operator, but are really leasing at a mega and only bring home about $50,000 a year after expenses. And uh, Bacon says, when someone tells you a story, tell them that you did that, but 10 times better and on the third day of your job. Also, you know, you got to drive 70 miles per hour plus through snow, sleet, and rain. Obviously, people, these are things not to do unless you want to be a super trucker. If you're going 30 miles per hour through a parking lot, it may be a loves. Speaking of loves, let's take a look. Welcome to loves. Hey, welcome to love, it all. Yo, welcome to love. Man, if you don't get your ass out oh, my, my truck, my bad, my bad, been real. Let's get out of here. All right, all right. Welcome to love. Welcome to love. How you doing, sir? What's going on? Okay. Outside on breaking, we don't give a. Pilot in TA, they ain't showing you love. Get a shower and a sandwich. Where you feel for your cup? On the count of one, two, three. Say, welcome to Lowe's. Hey! Say, welcome to Lowe's. Hey! Bro, welcome to Lowe's, bro. Bro, what is Welcome to Lowe's, bro. Welcome to Lowe's, bro. Go, bro, go. Say Wait, no, I already told you. No, I got a boyfriend. I doubt the time. Man, whatever. Bye, man. Hey, welcome to Lowe's. Bro, what's up, bro? Welcome to Loves. Hey, welcome to Loves. I like it. I think they should adopt it. They're super friendly over there. Love the guy in the sleeper cap. And I love you too. Thank you for joining me on the show today. What the truck happens three times a week Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, noon Eastern time. Or on demand for those of you who don't make an appointment with your television. Like me. Have some agency over your life. Self-respect. Look up What the Truck wherever you get your podcast. You subscribe and get that on demand. Look up Freight Waves on YouTube. What the Truck's on there. Whole playlist. Look up What the Truck. We got TikTok now, man. TikTok's blowing up. Had 500,000 views on one of our last videos. 
FW What the Truck, FW What the Truck, also on Twitter. Find me personally at Timothy Dooner. That is D double O. And here coming up on Wednesday, we got Alan Adler. He's going to talk truck tech. We got Brenton Osborne talking about driver parking, Bob Perry talking about driver fitness, Justin Martin talking about being a super trucker. Take care and don't be a stranger.